2: get by on the sidewalk, that's all. Well, you shouldn't be oh, here, you fake news. You stopped airing the Trump briefings and you keep airing Cuomo briefings. Go home, Straight you fake news. Go home. You're destroying something in You are
3: the enemy
2: of
3: the people. You used to be a he good channel at one time. Me. You allow
4: people. I don't know what happened
3: to you. Tell the truth, Kevin. Come on. Fake
4: news, news, news is not
2: essential. Fake news, news is not essential. Fake news is not essential.
5: So that's a New York reporter who was at an anti-lockdown protest, and the protesters started screaming at the reporter. Wow. And I saw that on uh, uh, Media Buzz with Howard Kurtz yesterday. That's a pretty darn good show on a Sunday. But anyway, he and some other reporters said, look, we're here to tell your story. (laughs) This is to get your story out. Why are you screaming at us?
6: Fake news is (laughs) non-essential!
5: So, Which is not a bad point.
6: Well, it reminds me of, for instance... um in the wake of the devastating, uh, deadly wildfires in Cal Unicornia, some morons were taking out their wrath on frontline people for PG&E because they they caused the wildfires. That's because that's the only PG&E people they see. It's still a bad idea. Don't do that. You're not going to get a chance to confront the uh, president of whatever local news channel or network. So you yell at who you can yell at.
5: Yeah, sometimes you just feel like yelling at someone. Plus, I've known plenty
6: of TV
4: anchors and reporters. Go ahead and yell at them. And modern media is not necessarily a thing where, hey, we're just here to get your stuff right. Like, I understand that they think that the media is there to to show how rubish they are or, or you know what i mean yeah, right, yeah. they right, right, right. they have to the mock. perception that no that you guys are making fun of us you're not telling our story
6: sometimes that's true yeah jack um, very quickly speaking of reporting we got a request or two i referred to repeatedly to a stanford university doctor and then people said what's the guy's name i want to keep it up with him well you may understand why i haven't mentioned his name every time his name is uh, dr jayante patachariya so uh, ask for him by name. Is that with two P's? I am almost certainly mispronouncing it, and I apologize to the good doctor. Um,
5: study on how well people think they're doing at social distancing versus how well they think their neighbors are. That is hilarious about human nature. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. But first, some uh, Zoom commentary from the text line. Some zoom commentary. Oh, by the way, you're I talking hate myself
6: about, for saying that.
5: Sometimes you want to lash out. My youngest, the uh, my eight year old, wanted to punch somebody in the face yesterday. He said, I really want to punch somebody in the face. Mm. Can I ask First he asked if he could punch me in the face. I said no. Um, <laughs> I'm just you for angry. Asking. I really want to punch somebody in the face. Mm. And well, we got a punching bag right here that I bought specifically for the, when 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 anybody feels that way. How about we punch the punch bag?
6: No, I need a face. I need a face to punch. You got to get one of those clowns. You remember that when we were oh, kids, yeah. they got sand in the bottom of them. They're oh, clown about childhood. You, you punch them in the face, they bounce right back, and then you hit them with. Oh, the you lights. want some more? Do you? I used to say, Take <laughs> back, back
5: for another.
6: <laughs> I told you stay down.
5: <laughs> Thought I'd seen the last of you. Nah. Uh, well, there was a name, wasn't there?
6: Punching the clown. No, those things had a children. The, those, you child. Those, you the, child. They
5: had a name. The, the, I, the I'm sure the they did. Uh, the selling
6: the, the, a product without a name would be difficult, but I don't recall what it is. <laughs> Alex Baldwick. That's right. Anyway. Alex Baldwick the clown. So we
5: put the we gonna, bozo
6: bop bag. Does that ring a bell? <laughs> Sounds like a euphemism too, but right. um, <laughs> that may be it, Sean. I don't recall. Anywho, back to, uh, back to this.
5: Um, variety of people doing Zoom meetings, whether school or uh, meeting meetings. We've been talking about that throughout the entire show. Just FYI, I'm in sales. That very important small talk that you have around the workplace still happens on Zoom. Most people log on about five minutes early to verify their connections on Zoom meetings, and that time is generally used to ask the water cooler questions. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, whether or not that is effective enough to create a spree decor in your workplace remains to be seen, I suppose. Uh, my kids are in high school and have been full-time online taught via Zoom classrooms for the last two years. I don't know if this is some sort of private school thing where they do this or what. Mm. They meet for one hour. Twice a week per subject. It's been amazing, and the teachers are phenomenal. They get a more one-on-one approach than they did at their typical high school. Grades have gone up, anxiety down. They have office hours if you need additional help, and the skills of these teachers is unmatched. It really is an improvement in our failing school system.
6: That rhythm of an hour a couple of times a week, two, three times a week, that's a lot more like college,
5: mm-hmm.
6: where you don't have class five days a week every day, you know, the same classes.
5: Well... See, th- th- I keep uh, I keep hearing about this. Um, people go back to work, but school's out. What are you going to do for babysitting, all that sort of stuff? Oh, yeah. The school is so intertwined with that that, that drives a lot of it. There's no reason why school can't be what I just read here, unless the kids have to be at school because the parents are at work.
6: Right. And you can make value judgments about the way our society has been shaped or whatever, but the fact is, the the beast adapts to its environment. The environment used to be, your kids are going to be gone for six and a half hours a day, depending on the schedule, no matter what you do. So you, you might as well do something. And And to have that yanked away, yeah, that'll be incredibly disruptive. I have plenty of problems with the uh, current state of public schools, but I get that. People have to completely restructure their lives. We also
5: got this. Trust me when I say we teachers are praying to be able to get back into the classroom. While I'm working harder than ever, we all know the students aren't getting what they need. Yet we are being told it's pretty much assured we will be starting the year with distance learning. Mm. It will be worse with a brand new class of students I know nothing about. And we talked about that earlier. Oh, that's a
6: great point.
5: So how hard is it to do this when you already know the kids? You know their personalities. You know which ones have which strong points, which weak points, and you can deal with them. How about you start with a whole crew of kids you never have met in your life?
6: Mm-hmm. It'd be impossible. Right, right. Well, not only would you not already have the tools to figure out how to help them, motivate them, etc., there'd be practically no way to get it. You'd get so little input from the kids. Right. So little interaction, in short. Yeah, it's, it's a hell of a challenge. That's why I'm hoping. And there are, there's a lot of science that, that that indicates that this is more than a pipe dream. It's It's a decent probability that this thing is so much more widespread than we realize. That's the Stanford doctor with the unpronounceable name that I was talking about. That His study showed that way, way more people have had this thing than you think. Every study and that's we're getting been done. pretty close to something like herd immunity.
5: Yeah, every study that's been done has shown that. So, yeah, that's what's going to happen more than a vaccine. We're going to get enough testing where they'd say, uh, turns out, like, 90 percent of us already have had the thing
6: mm-hmm. so well and it's hard and listen i'm not a know-it-all which makes me a bad uh, talk show host but there are some areas that might think yeah yep we've had practically no cases almost no deaths. it went through here already well they might be wrong it might be about to go through there and it'll suck but we won't know till it happens hmm. or till it doesn't happen i guess Here's my favorite. Oh, 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 one more note on that. Georgia, which has opened up substantially, oh. um, one of a couple of places, Colorado, too, uh, two, three weeks ago, it's been pointed out quite appropriately that, look, it takes a while to transmit and to get sick. It takes another week to feel really sick. And then you have to get tested and everything. So right around now. This week, maybe next week, is going to be an absolute critical week to keep an eye on Georgia and Colorado well, see and see how they and do.
5: What does opening up mean? we got to quit using that term. I should stop using that term because it's it varies so much from county to county. Sure. And some people mean opening up because, by, okay, so restaurants can now serve food out on the curb. That's not where we were two months ago. Right. Case in point, just got this text from Georgia, which I'd been hearing about. They opened up, and look, they're fine. I'm walking in Olympic Park in Atlanta right now. I've been there. I was there during the Olympics in 96.
6: Sorry, uh, Richard Jewell. Seriously, sorry.
5: Walking in Olympic Park in Atlanta right now, listening to the show. Downtown is desolate. A few restaurants are open for limited dine-in. No traffic. But Georgia is open, in a sense. There's not a single human being within 200 meters of me. I think I could don a MAGA hat with no fear of being beaten to a pulp. ha. <laughs> Wow.
2: Now so that is liberating.
5: That's how open it is in downtown Atlanta.
6: I hear you, brother. Yeah, things are, are extremely different 50 miles away from where he walks right now. But So, yeah, you're absolutely right. But all we can collect is the data we have. So, so I love this.
5: Americans think they are better at social distancing than their neighbors. This is just the human nature thing. Mm-hmm. It's like 70% of us think we're better looking than average or smarter than average.
4: It's my favorite paradox of being a person. Yeah, I love
5: and, uh, this.
6: let me, this. Yeah, let me point out that for those of you, and a great deal of the Armstrong and Getty listening audience is in places that have had very few cases and deaths. It just hasn't been a big deal. But this is about how humans are, not about the COVID.
5: Uh, Kaiser did a survey, more than 1,000 adults, blah, 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 asked to grade themselves and their neighbors. More than half of those surveyed give themselves an A. I'm doing great when it came to following social distancing guidelines. I kick ass, but gave their neighbors a C or below. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, the math does not work on that. Well, this is... I'm better looking than average, I'm smarter than average, and I'm doing an excellent job. And that everybody's ugly, a good driver. That ugly idiot over there stands too close to other people, though. Right?
6: <laughs> One of the great truths of psychology is we judge ourselves by the best of our intentions and others by the worst of their actions.
5: Wow. And most of, more than half of us believe we're better than the other people we live with. So even within our own homes... Probably we all, the leader. Yeah. We all think we're better than the other person <laughs> in the home. That's hilarious. Combat model. <laughs> <laughs> that is just human nature, apparently. Maximum efficiency. Huh. Giving your neighbors a C.
4: I guess mathematically it kind of makes sense if you if you assign the average as a C, and I'm an A, right? I'm bringing the average way up, which means other people need to be way down so we all average out where where it's supposed to be. Yeah. Well, in my
6: opinion, if I were an A where I live, that would make me a paranoid lunatic. It is there is a much greater threat from bees than the COVID where I live.
5: So we're using letter grades. So
6: by bees, you meant the beast? Oh, that was probably when a you poor first choice. when you first yes, said the... it. I thought bees people who are a bee. No, 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 I'm sorry. It. The buzzing insect. Thank you for uh, okay. interpreting that for the folks. Perhaps I should have said uh, dog attacks. Bears. Tornadoes. Bears. Mm, bears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't
5: know. <laughs> ah, I, don't know. <laughs> uh, our text- I
1: lost the thread. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't care anymore. Our text line is four
5: one five two nine 295 kftc
3: The Armstrong and
5: Getty Show. There is a presidential election going on. We know two of the participants, uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Donald Trump Jr. tweeted out a picture of Joe Biden. See you later, alligator. And then a picture of an alligator that's and it said in a while, pedophile. Oh, what? And pedophile uh, and Donald Trump Jr. said underneath with a smiling emoji. I guess that's what that is. That said, there's definitely way too many creepy Joe videos out there. So I don't know if that's an angle that they're going to go with. There's, I don't. There's no evidence out there of Joe Biden being anything like that. But jeez, that's a hell of an accusation. I'd say politics She's later, is a alligator rough business. In a while, pedophile. Jeez, Louise.
6: Wow. <laughs> Wow. Well, you know, from the perspective of Don Jr., the the entire party and the entire media was calling his uh, dad a Russian stooge True. for years Yeah. without uh, evidence.
5: Yeah. Um. So a libertarian candidate looked like, you know, there was talk that this was going to be the big year for a libertarian candidate. You know, some people are coming up with weird ways, you know, I don't think he'll win, but here's how it could happen, because right. Justin Amash is that <clears throat> big a deal. He's a smart... Charismatic. He's not going to have the fumbles. That, well, he over the weekend he decided to get to not run. Go! No! he was the great hope for the Libertarian Party. Now it's down to uh, Jacob Hornberger, Jim Gray, and Joe Jorgensen. I don't know these people, but what's this audio we're about to hear, Sean? So
4: this is from the 2016 uh, Libertarian uh, Convention, uh, and the, specifically the the debate that they had. Um, you will hear uh, four voices in this. The the first is the. The moderator of the the, the debate, one Larry Elder. Uh, the first, oh, two, Larry Elder's super smart guy. The first two people I'm not that familiar with, but they were uh, candidates for the Libertarian nomination. The last one you will hear is the guy who eventually got it that year, and that is Governor Gary Johnson. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just let the tape uh, speak for itself from from there.
1: Mr. Peterson, I have a feeling I know how this answer is going to be. Should someone have to have a government issued license to drive a car? Hell no. Mr. Perry
6: the right. government requires licenses for to- for far too many things.
4: Uh, every time he says requires, he's doing the air quotes.
6: The government requires licenses for people to broadcast radio. The government requires licenses to get married. They require a license to drive. What's next? Requiring a license to make toast in your own damn toaster?
0: Absolutely not. It
5: didn't work as well as he was open. Governor? I think government has a basic responsibility to protect us against individuals, groups, corporations, foreign governments that would do us harm. In that context, a license to drive? You know, I'd like to see some competency exhibited by people before they drive. Well, there you Idiot. go. <laughs> See, that's that's the problem the Libertarian Party always has is that, that they're way too pure.
6: Yeah, I'll point out that Gary Johnson won. He won the vote there at the convention and became the nominee. But the, the vocal yeah, but, uh, fringe if is so loud the, that con- they get a lot of attention. If
5: the convention is going to be full of people who boo the idea of a driver's license for cars, oh, yeah. it's going to be pretty hard
6: to get anything going. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Again, that's a minority of people at the convention, but they get a lot of attention. There are a couple of movements, ideas, campaigns that I'm very sympathetic toward. That when I actually get together with fellow supporters, there's a large percentage of them that scare me. (laughs) And so it is with non-mainstream political movements. And you just have to live with that. Uh, if you think the idea is a good one, you just have to live with it. But yeah, there are a lot of wackadoo's in the Libertarian. Oh, party. yeah, yeah. Well, there are a lot of wackadoo's in the Democratic Party sure, too, and sure. the Republican Party. But the
5: but the, but they've got a center of electableness. Right. Yes, and those are the people that go to their conventions. So you
6: think electableness is important in elections?
5: Is that what you're saying?
6: Yeah, yeah. It's you kind gotta
5: of have important. a room full of people that could possibly ever get anything accomplished, right? <laughs>
6: Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I call them uh, college boy libertarians who have this uh, Ayn Randian fantasy. Uh, and I actually like a lot of Ayn Rand's ideas, but um, they have this idea of some sort of perfect utopian libertarian you know fantasy that, look, we got to deal with the here and now. And if we can nudge it in the right direction, that's a win. It's not, it's not going to be like you're imagining. It never will be. It never can be. So meet people in the middle.
5: I wish I had the energy to fight these unwinnable battles, hoping that I'm going to make a little, you know, a little gain.
3: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
6: Twenty-seven. There, uh, sneezy
3: the dwarf. We're going to see, unfortunately, thousands of deaths, but we can save a lot of lives if we focus on being in this together. There is only one enemy here, Chris. It's the virus. We're all in it together. And the more we're safe, the more we work together, it's not about economy versus health. If people are poor, they're less likely to be healthy. And unless we control the virus, we're not going to get our economy back. So we're in it together against the virus. that's uh, Tom Frieden,
6: who used to run the CDC on Fox News Sunday. I thought that was an excellent uh, point, and one practically v- vacant from, missing in America's media, and we've been trying to hammer it home. Look, if everybody's poor, health incomes are going to suffer, and many people will die. On the other hand, if we're not smart about the COVID thing, uh, the economy's going to get wrecked. So it's not one or the other. They're both um, you know, pushing and pulling against each other, and, and we need our leaders especially to quit acting like it's just one or the other, and and it's funny we have really gotten divided in our media. And Democrats are way into the keep things locked down and just be safe. And the Republicans are much more into let's open the economy and get back to work. And Fareed Zakaria, who's on uh, CNN of all places on the weekend, he's a really smart guy, um, and and sometimes I disagree with him, but but often I agree with him. Uh, he did a piece that I thought was just absolutely terrific and uh, and we we can link it at com. i'm not sure we have yet but he's talking about how in government and economics and in culture there is this overclass of elites that that run it and and are the uh, celebrated few and and it occurs to me college towns are absolutely rife with these people mm. which is why they tend to be liberal but um so Zakari is talking about um why we're divided on the covid thing and he starts with this thought in clip uh, 32
3: for many non-college educated people especially those living in rural areas there is a deep alienation from this new elite they see the overclass as enacting policies that are presented as good for the whole country but really mostly benefit people from the ruling class whose lives have gotten better over the past few decades while the rest are left behind In this view, trade and immigration, for example, help college-educated professionals who work for multinational companies, but hurt blue-collar workers. So when they hear from the experts about the inevitability of globalization and technological change and the need to accept it, they resist. It does not resonate with their lived experience.
6: So what does this have to do with the COVID? Let's do 33.
3: So let's look at the COVID-19 crisis through this prism. Imagine you're an American who works with his hands, a truck driver, a construction worker, an oil mechanic, and you've just lost your job because of the lockdowns, as have over 36 million people. You turn on the television and you hear medical experts, academics, technocrats, journalists, explain that we must keep the economy closed. In other words, we must keep you unemployed because public health is important. Now, all these people making the case on TV have jobs, have maintained their standards of living, and in fact are now in greater demand. They feel they're doing important work. You, on the other hand, have lost your job. You feel a sense of worthlessness, and you are terrified about your family's day to day survival. Is it so hard to understand why people like this might be skeptical of the experts?
1: Mm-hmm.
6: On the left, they try to portray it as some sort of knee jerk, bonehead, country, moron, rejection of science. And there may be a touch of that, just as there's a touch of actual communists in the uh, Democratic Party. But I think it's mostly people who've seen the overclass in government and culture and economics, lie to them over and over again. And then in this COVID thing, as Fareed pointed out, I think quite uh, appropriately, lecture them on how it's a good idea to stay at home and, and stay unemployed when those people all have jobs. That's a little tough to take. And then let's go ahead and play a part of 35. I think it's a pretty good conclusion.
3: Dr. Anthony Fauci has said that he understands that maintaining these social distancing guidelines is inconvenient. inconvenient for many people. They're not just inconvenient, they are life shattering. No one in America or elsewhere has all the knowledge to formulate the perfect formula to open up and move ahead. Even Dr. Fauci acknowledged that during congressional testimony this week when he was asked whether schools should open. I don't have an easy answer to that. I just don't, he said. Situations regarding school will be very different in one region versus another. Regarding the economy, he noted,
5: I don't give advice about economic things. I don't give advice about anything other than public health.
3: So let's all recognize that we need to hear many voices as we make these difficult decisions and that those making the decisions need to have empathy. For all Americans Those whose lives are at risk But also those whose lives have been Turned upside down in other ways I By think, this horrible disease
6: I think that's a really good uh, Being in touch with the reality The common man A non-elitist point of view by Fried Zakaria I think it's just terrific You know, I, I had one more thought on it But it can wait So so,
5: uh, front page USA Today, second wave would severely test U.S. Many scientists believe the pandemic likely would dissipate over the summer, only to return late this year with a second wave worse than the first. Yeah, it's it's possible. That's what happened with Do the... Do they define
4: worse just in terms of number of cases or...
5: That's what happened with the uh, the Spanish flu of 1918. It came in the spring, and it was pretty bad. I'm glad that's over. Then it came in the fall and just devastated the world.
6: Was it that it mutated in that case? I'm yes, trying to remember. I think it mutated. Okay. It yeah, came okay.
5: back as something different. Mm-hmm. Um, that would almost have to happen in this case, because unlike the Spanish flu, I think, and I've read a number of uh, portions of books about it, I don't think that was a disease where... Lots of people were getting it with no symptoms, so we had no. some sort of herd immunity. Like that That's the big difference here. It's, it's, it's got to rip
6: it. through you before you get any immunity.
5: Yeah. Uh, but uh, let me quote this one guy just for fun, and this is not fun. Michael Osterholm, the director of uh, the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota, said that a big peak of coronavirus will flood hospitals this winter. We have the potential here to go through days we have not seen since World War II as a nation. And we will not be ready. I'm sure he's an outlier out on that outer edge of worrying about that or expecting that. Right. I sure as hell hope he's wrong.
6: Well, and if there are signs of that, given the fact that testing is increasing by leaps and bounds... Yeah, wouldn't we all, won't we be on top of that in a big damn hurry? Wouldn't we all throw on masks immediately? And, and the contact tracing thing is up and running in a lot of different places. Yeah. I don't see how that happens. I don't either. I mean, because the world is hyper aware of this thing. I mean, it's not like we would get like this last time, two and a half months into it, having not realized anything was happening until the Chinese communists finally admitted that they have a contagion on the loose. Um, I don't, I don't see how that happens, honestly.
5: No, either. Even if all we did was throw on masks and did nothing
6: else, according to we washed a, our hands like fiends and the easy stuff, according yeah. to a number of people that cuts it by
5: 50% right there. So,
6: yeah, well, yeah, there's a nice email from uh, Thomas Joe. You are so full of crap. Mm. Jack, you're great. You don't need Joe.
5: I bet they got it backwards. <laughs> I don't know. Generally, that's the case.
6: Yeah, there's at least a 50-50 chance that they got the names backwards. So that may be in praise of me, or he may hate me. I don't know. And and frankly, Thomas, uh, I'll be fine either way. But thank you for your input. Kind of you to share.
5: Um, number of people said they uh, could relate to my son's need to punch somebody in the face over the weekend. Mm. Maybe that's a common feeling across America right now. You're holed up, not doing anything fun. Just want to punch somebody in the face.
6: There's a little face punching uh, atmosphere about you can smell it. <laughs> you can smell it. Anger, frustration, and fear, uh, concern, stress. Yeah.
5: I don't know. I don't know. You know, I see the polls. I'm more worried about the economy by far than the disease. Not even close, but. That's just me. Maybe it's because I live somewhere where they don't have much of the disease.
6: Yeah, if I lived in a homeless shelter in L.A., I'd feel differently. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not worried about my 401k, likely. (laughs) (laughs) No. No. My Tesla stock. I'm not thinking that. Exactly. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC.
3: Armstrong and Getty Show. Was he taking
5: questions, Sean, or did he just make a statement? Oops, the the stuff I've seen all seems
4: like it was just statements, but I don't know if I just hadn't gotten to the part where he's taking open questions.
5: So this is uh, Attorney General Barr not too long ago with something that'll make news all day long. Over the past few decades, uh, there have been increasing attempts to use the criminal
4: justice system as a uh, political weapon. The legal tactic has been to gin up uh, allegations of
5: criminality uh, by one's political opponents based uh, on the flimsiest of of legal theories. Uh, This is not a good development. This is not good for our political life, and it's not good for the criminal justice system. And as long as I'm attorney general, the criminal justice system will not be used for uh, partisan political ends. Now, the headline now they're going to laugh about that on MSNBC (laughs) all day long. But the headline out of what he had to say today is Barr says Durham unlikely to charge Obama or Biden puts that to rest. Mm. Um, So
6: Barr, who's in the bag for Trump and it's a constitutional crisis and the rest said, no, I'm not friggin doing that.
5: I have a general idea how Mr. Durham's investigation is going. There's a difference between an abuse of power and a federal crime. Not every abuse of power, no matter how outrageous, is necessarily a federal crime, he said. Now, as to President Obama and Vice President Biden, whatever their level of involvement, based on the information I have today, I don't expect Mr. Durham's work will lead to criminal investigation of either man. Our concern over potential criminality is focused on others. Mm. But. If you have others that are in the Obama administration at a fairly high level, that'll
6: be a big deal. Yes. Comey, Brennan, and Clapper are sweating bullets right now because they leaked classified information like maniacs. And that's a federal crime.
5: The Durham investigation is trying to I
6: don't to get... think Barack Obama called up David Ignatius at the Washington Post.
5: There was, there was no there there with the Russia thing, but it was in the news every day for three days effing years. Right. There is there, there, here. It's, mm-hmm. it's there. It's, it's, it's in paper. You can read it um, from the official documents. This will get no coverage today a lot of places. The Durham investigation is trying to get to the bottom of what happened, and it will determine whether there were any federal laws broken, and if there were, those who broke the laws will be held to account, Barr said. But this cannot be and will not be a tit-for-tat exercise. We're not going to lower our standards to achieve a particular result. okay? He said he vows that the 2020 election will not be dominated by investigations into one or both of the major candidates, like what happened in 2016. That's a good thing to vow. Yes. What, what
4: about big major press conferences, like two or three days before voting happens? Is he going to do any of those?
5: <laughs> oh, boy. That is that is a good goal, though, is to not have this happening right up to the election, like we did last time around. Oh, boy. We live in a very divided country right now, and I think it's critical that we have an election where the American people are allowed to make a decision, a choice between President Trump and Vice President Biden based on a robust debate of policy issues, and we cannot allow this process to be hijacked by efforts to drum up criminal
6: investigations of either candidate. Boo! Orange man bad. Boo! Yay, orange man! Or boo, orange man good, because I want Obama prosecuted. (laughs) You know, he is right about the whole trying to weaponize... Well, oh, man, there's a lot of weaponizing of a lot of stuff going on. We're weaponizing the FBI and the intelligence services, and then I'm committed that this election, Department.
5: I'm committed that this election will be conducted without this kind of interference. Any effort to pursue an investigation of any either candidate has to be approved by me. Okay, there you go. There you go. He doesn't want investigations going on either one of them.
6: Fair enough, old Bill Barr. Some days you eat the bar. Um, so is that a shot across Trump's bow? Could you interpret it that way? I think it was a shot across multiple bows. Many bows. <laughs> yeah, I Multi, think.
5: Multi bowel shot I think for the Trump crowd, it's hey, look, we're not going to turn this into an investigating Biden clear up to election day thing. We're not going to do that.
6: No. How about Comey? Can <laughs> we do Brennan? Clapper. All right, just clap. No, Comey. Just Comey.
4: If you could only have one, would you? Oh,
5: Comey. Comey. hmm. Without a doubt. God, would I like to see the tall man laid low.
6: Oh, but (laughs) Clapper. The Clapper's so objective. Such a
5: liar. Yeah, but nobody's been more pleased with themselves than James Comey in their lives. I don't think Alexander the Great had the swagger that James Comey has.
6: Good Lord. Yeah, Genghis Khan probably said, but I could be wrong, more often than (laughs) James Comey.
5: I want to see him staring up at the tiles in a cell saying, so many questions. (laughs)
6: That's (laughs) what I want to see. Oh, boy. That's an obscure reference, but an amusing one.
5: (laughs) And I don't care if it's the people that get him for, for ruining Hillary's life or the people that get him for ruining Trump's life. doesn't matter to me, as long as he ends up in jail.
6: Yep, yep. Uh, Matt Taibbi, speaking of Comey and Clapper and, and, and that crew and their leaks and the, the the Flynn trial and everything. Matt Taibbi, lefty, writing a, a, a big piece over the weekend, um, mentions that the acts at issue in the whole thing were calls Flynn made to Russian Ambassador Sergei Kislyak in December 2016, in which he told the Russians not to overreact to sanctions. That's it. The investigation was about to be dropped, but someone got the idea of using electronic surveillance of the calls to leverage a case into existence. In a secrets laundering maneuver straight out of Dick Cheney's playbook, some bright person first illegally leaked classified details to David Ignatius at the Washington Post, and then agents rushed to interview Flynn about the news. Meaning, uh, Brennan, Clapper, Comey, whatever, leaked the news to the WAPO, and then send agents to grill Flynn because hey there's a lot of stuff in the press. Yeah, that you put there. It's that's unbelievable. a good That's a good trick. Yeah. Dirty dealing. Hey, there's a new one of those I thought we were going to work into the rotation. I don't know what happened to it. Do you have that, Michael? Uh, no, I don't, but I will look for it. All right, we'll work on it after <laughs> the show. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Hey, uh, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. Michael, pressing the buttons. Final thought?
5: Yeah, if you get a pizza delivered and the delivery driver
4: isn't six feet away, decline the pizza, just yell, citizens arrest, and
5: uh, you know, hashtag save lives.
6: Exactly. Tell hell with that? I'm eating it. And I had some homemade pizza over the weekend. Really, really good. Mm. Positive, Sean, your final thought? Finally got around
4: to watching the uh, the Seinfeld, uh, his newest stand-up special, and it's great. It, it is it, it is really good. He's a black belt. I, I am in awe yeah. of the way that he, yeah. he crafts jokes, and, and he's just so good.
5: His so cell good. phone email stuff was fantastic. I get jokes. <laughs> stuff about f- annoying friends. I yeah, loved yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Jack, a final thought you'd like to share? I'm looking up at the TV. I've seen a couple of times today a lovely young woman who's your new American idol. I didn't even know the show was still on. And then it happened during the coronavirus thing, so was some sort of does she have any better hope of being a pop star
6: than I do? I wonder. I doubt. <sighs> Again, it. it's news. They had the show and they picked the well mm-hmm. I think
5: she's got a marginally slightly better chance of being a pop star than me, but only slightly. And I'm not even trying. (laughs) Right.
6: Here, here. Uh, My final thought. My kid went uh, back coast to coast to her college town to take care of business. And she said to us last night on the face phone, it just dawned on me. (laughs) Face phone. I have nothing to do. So, I don't know if she's going to try to find a gig or she's got an internship online, whatever that means. But waiting for everything to restart like the rest of us.
5: Trying to enjoy your periods of nothing to do. They won't last in your life.
6: Yep. Yeah, well,
5: human beings need purpose. Yep, Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday.
6: So many people will thanks so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have all sorts of great clicks for you, articles, videos we reference. You can get fun Armstrong and Getty swag. Email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. And if you missed anything, all the podcasts are there, armstrongandgetty.com. See you tomorrow.
1: God bless America.
5: Uh, what you're doing why did he put the blood on
1: put on one of those sherlock holmes hats and put a little pipe in his mouth are they ever allowed to do anything like that dress up a dog in a funny way armstrong and getty if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals
2: Join me on Season 3 of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.
5: More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia.
1: He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael